I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. And Peter Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. That was The Veils with the Wild Sun, and off of their CD, The Runaway Found. I like that. Sometimes I play this on my show. Maybe you've recognized it before. All right, so standing by to join me is writer and producer Mike Robinson. He's been an avid writer since the age of seven. So cool. He's also an award-winning author, and uh, let him share his backstory with you right now. Hi, Mike. Hi, Janine. Thanks yes. for calling in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, I went. I met you at that event, uh, the La Femme Mixer. I think it was a, also a, was it a joint event yes. with some other people as well. And lots of very, very talented people there, such as yourself as well. And um, so when I exchanged cards, I thought, you know, this would be really great to have you on because I do feature a lot of different writers and things. And um, so let's jump right in. You, sure. You've been writing since how old? Since I was seven. And what kind of things were you writing back then? Anything and everything that I ingested uh, from reading. Um, at the time, I, uh, I started off writing um, sports stories because I read a lot of Matt Christopher okay. uh, fiction. And um, it was actually, uh, Matt Christopher was a pseudonym for a woman. Uh, who wrote all you know about baseball and and tennis and and basketball and all these YA sports stories? Okay. And at the time, I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, so yeah, I, I just I started sort of transmuting my baseball dreams into into print. Well, not really print. My seven <laughs> seven year old handwriting. <laughs> Still, um, it's a great form of so, expression. The young age. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Then I started. Uh, so I did a short little sports series. Then I started reading. Um, Arl Stein, Stephen King, Mark Twain, Gary Paulson, all those guys, and um, Lois, Lois Lowry. Um, and so then my interest in the fantastic and the supernatural yes, took and over. other forms of fiction, yeah, just kind of took over, and I went on from there. Wait, you read Stephen King at like seven? No, a little la- later, right? Uh, yeah, a little later, maybe yeah. eight or nine. <laughs> I'd be so creeped out, I would not be able to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> um that's funny. Yeah, I think, I mean, I had um, enough of an overabundance of sort of crazy, morbid imagination to inoculate me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Because <laughs> none of those books really, thankfully, affected me in terms of giving me a visceral reaction or, or any kind of nightmares oh, or anything. Good. It was actually very random what, what did affect me. Okay. Uh, back then, kind of scattershot, but thankfully none of none of what I read did. I just was really engrossed in it, and I thought it was very cool. So then you well, dove into the fiction world and and started writing different things. For was it for magazines or what did you write? Uh, I well, so I sold my first. Um, I had my first professional sale at about nineteen, and that was to Storyteller Magazine in up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And over the the course of my twenties, I sold. 
um, probably about enough stories that if taken together, the income would allow me like a few meals. <laughs> but I mean, it was enough. It was good to have those writing credits under my belt. And then on the on the side, I tried to write a book a year, uh, which I'm still trying to do. But just to you know hone my craft and get better and. That's great. Yeah, and, so let me yeah. ask you about that because like, we talked offline. You know, it's there's all kinds of rejection in the in the creative arena. You know, whether you're an actor, you're a writer. And how do you keep going? Because the theme of the show is get the funk out. How do you how do you think positively? And you know, because we do get rejection. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that um, the good word is is faith, but the, the bad word, the flip side, is delusion. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think that you need a, a healthy amount um, of either, however you want to describe it. Okay. Uh, especially in starting out, because you know, especially as a young writer, you know, you have this kind of you have a much greater um, naivete and a much greater ego about what you're doing. Sure. And so I, I had absolutely no. Um, it was to, to me, it was sort of a genetic guarantee that I was going to get where I wanted to go, and so I just had to keep plowing away. And obviously, I've racked up enough experience to know that it's it's sort of a wild west, and mm-hmm. you know, um, rejection is around every corner, even when we are published. True. So. Um, but uh, that's um, that's how I mean that, that was sort of my experiment in the beginning that I, I sort of knew I had a sense that the world would benefit from whatever I wrote, you know. That you uh, had, but also, I just I just wanted to do it myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, there was nothing that I could do. Uh, there was no real plan B. I just had to to do what I had to do, as Bradbury says. I think that's great. I mean, yeah. you had a passion for this at an early age, obviously, and you just yeah. kept going and. You felt like, you know, I have a creative voice. I want to get it out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it's sort of a crass uh, way of saying it, but I always say it was my brain's way of going to the bathroom. I just, it, had to, it was a natural function. It yeah. just had to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So you've written uh, some novels, The Green-Eyed Monster. Are these pretty mm-hmm. scary, or just what are they like? Um, yes, they, they sort okay. of... All of them touch on some aspect of the metaphysical or the supernatural, but some are more horror-based than others. So the um, my trilogy, my nonlinear trilogy, uh, I call it nonlinear, so meaning that you can read it in any order. Mm-hmm. Um, although there, there is an ideal order, but so the Green Eyed Monster is the first one, Negative Space is the second one, and the most recent one that debuted, Waking Gods, is the third. And... I would say that that's kind of a dark fantasy trilogy, dusted with horror elements. Okay. So Green Eye Monster is, yeah, um, it's kind of cosmic horror. It's more sort of psychological. It's philosophical. Um, all of those books are, really. L- let me but, ask you this. Uh, Excuse yeah. me. When you were little, did you watch a lot of Alfred Hitchcock, Twilight Zone, or maybe that was way before, I don't know how old you are, but um, what, the, what were kind of some of the things you watched that maybe have influenced you? Twilight Zone, definitely. Yeah. I love Twilight Zone. Um, the Outer Limits, I remember, just a vast assortment of movies mm-hmm. that, that just um, went down my gullet. I mean, cre- anything from Creep Show to, I don't know, some of the cheesier ones like Child's Play. Okay. Um, and as I said, you know, I read a bunch. And I was just always attracted to the to the unknowns, you yeah. know, because it, it, it's, creatively very liberating and um of course when i was younger i was i was enthralled more with 
say, the monster side of things. You know, mm-hmm. it's just cool to have any monster. But as I've grown up, my my interest lies more in the human reaction to said monster. Okay. So it's become a little bit more... That's, I think, where the Twilight Zone influence comes in because it's more... Um, it tries for a more unique psychological perspective that right. you don't necessarily see in a lot of that genre fiction. Which is not to say I, I dislike the genre fiction at all. I, I'm just... Right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I try to carve my own niche within it. That's good. That's good. And let's talk about screenwriting. Because we, when we met, we talk, mm-hmm. talked about that briefly. What kind of things have you done as far as screenwriting? Uh, screenwriting is, is a somewhat new field for me. I've been primarily a novelist and short story writer for for most of my writing career. Mm-hmm. For the last few years, um, I've been dabbling in teleplay, teleplay writing and screenplay writing. So um, over these last few years, I've been developing a TV series, uh, anthology TV series, and um, writing, co-writing a screenplay with a couple of other fellow writer friends, and, which were in a, yeah, we're sort of in the final stretch on that one. What is and, you, uh, What is your... Uh, you said it's a television anthology series. What is that about? Um, well, I can't discuss it too much right okay, now because we're, we're sort of pitching it around. Uh, but it kind of ties, it's sort of a, a gothic horror. Um, well, we were just talking about Twilight Zone, so it is kind of Twilight Zone-esque. Yes. Um, but uh, it, it sort of ties together a lot of the stories in a framework. And so we've been pitching that around to various people and just trying to develop it as much as we can and, and, and hone it and hope that at one point we'll get a, a, a you know, green light or a, sure. some kind of launching pad. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about maybe doing a short film at a film festival? I mean, it sounds like a great transition for you going from, you know, writing these stories to putting it on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually been a, a really neat exercise as well in, in terms of, you know, I know that, that screenwriting, and they really do. A lot of people say that screenwriting and novel writing take two, two different uh, aspects of, maybe the same hemisphere of the brain, but definitely two different aspects of that hemisphere. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> but I've found that they, they really can pay, pay off dividends to one another, especially um, screenwriting. It's it, it, it sort of, I take the practices and, and the um, discipline of screenwriting now into novel writing, as in, you know, I'm more conscious of the pacing and the economy of, of the language and, and even the story. Yes. Um, so. And dialogue and character mm-hmm. development and all that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So one thing that I did co-write a, a short film, you mentioned a short film, mm-hmm. did co-write a short film which is currently in post-production and which we hope to start submitting to film festivals this year. So that was exciting. Oh, we filmed that in December in Utah. Congratulations. So oh, thank you. Yeah. Let me just interject. If, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Mike Robinson. He's a writer and producer. And I did put your info on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Um, so let's talk about uh, this literary landscapes, or, or also GLAWS, the Greater Los Angeles Writers Society, whichever one mm-hmm. you want to talk about. Um, tell me how you got involved in those things. Well, I was kind of, I, I was the, I'm a charter member of GLAWS. I was one of the first five guys, not necessarily that started it, but I was sort of there to witness its birth, okay. <laughs> Good. as you could say. Um, but what happened was the the California Writers Club, that's what it was called, yeah, the California Writers Club, started by Jack London and a few of his other drinking-slash-writer buddies in <laughs> San Francisco in 1908, All right. um, 
spawned a bunch of different branches across California. And in 2005, 2006, they were trying to open one in the L.A. area, which, so weirdly, they didn't have one on the west side of L.A. I think they had one in the valley. Right. And so we were all meeting up, and during the kind of crazy um, crazy process of, of trying to set up um, that club, there's a lot of politics that were inherent in, in, in the dealings. Right. Um, one of the, the more vocal uh, prospective members um, decided to just create his own club and just leave all the politics behind. And so that became, That's that offshoot became GLAWS, the Greater Los Angeles, Los Angeles Writer Society. And what we do now is um, we have special speaker events where we have someone from the industry, author, retailer, agent, publisher, what have you, speak every month at the Palms Rancho Library on Overland Avenue there in West L.A. And uh, we have satellite critique groups catering to every genre, uh, which are, um, have been immensely helpful to a lot of people. And um, so it's, it's, it's a good... Good organization. It only costs forty five dollars a year. And um, what? Uh, how big is the group that belongs now? Are there hundreds of people? Oh yeah, it's uh, well over a thousand people. I think paid That's members. Good. That's good. And a few thousand people on the email circuit. And it's so. nice because it's mentoring too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whole... Yeah, it's yeah, it's mentoring. So if you're whether you're aspiring or aspiring or active, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's it is helpful. I think it's. To be honest, I think it's more, far more helpful if you're aspiring because we do. Uh, we're more about nurturing that 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 growth. So if you're already at an established level, you know you probably won't be dipping as much into the pool of wisdom. That is, you'll be supplying the pool of wisdom. You won't be right. <laughs> you know, taking from it. <laughs> but it, it is a good group for people to just mingle of people of all um, different levels of experience. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something because I am an aspiring writer. Is it? I've heard that it's uh, helpful or it's smart to start off trying to pitch articles like short stories, which is what I've been doing, uh, uh-huh. to different either online publications or print publications, just to get some kind of portfolio going. Yeah, I would recommend that. It's. I won't lie; it is very difficult, especially nowadays. Uh, I mean, you could probably go back to any generation and every writer says the same thing but I do right. think that we're facing unique challenges in terms of just me- the saturation of various media and just the amount of people mm-hmm. that that want to write personally I think more people write than read <laughs> but that's just my own hunch but um, like I remember reading a uh, an article that interviewed an editor of a literary magazine and he said that a couple of generations ago, they would get maybe 400 submissions a month. Now they get 4,000. I mean, oh part gosh. of that is is population growth and things like that. But yes. all that all that to say that the, the pro is that there are tons of outlets out there now more than ever. The con is that you know there's now more than ever now more writers than ever as well. Yes. So um, there's just a lot of competition, but there's absolutely a lot of opportunity. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I mean, you have to do your homework. You know, yeah. to see what mm-hmm. you're submitting to, and uh, I think it's a great thing. Though I, I tend, I was telling a previous guest, I travel with a notebook, so if I'm flying somewhere, I love to just write stories. You know, uh, just That's great. jot things down and then develop them further. And it's good to get those things out there. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, whether or not you're 
for self-publishing or, or what have you, just have a, you know, as a platform, as they say. It is good to have a little bit of a, a resume. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't publishing in the New Yorker or anything, but right. it is does look good to have, um, you know, prior credits. A lot of a lot of writers though don't actually write short stories. I mean, they just have novels in them or they have screenplays in them. So right. you know, you got to go with whatever is yes. um, natural to you. You know, right. don't try and contrive a situation that um, think will benefit you. You know, if it if it comes naturally to you, it will benefit you if you pursue it. And, and then it was interesting too. We talk about screenwriting. I went to the UCI screenwriting program here. And uh, just because you finish a, a script, you, you really have to have um, an open mind to the rewrites. And you might be rewriting like four times or more. And sometimes you have people around you saying, are you done yet? How come you're not done? And, and I know oh. I'm, and I have, I've been working on something for a long time, but things evolve and life takes over. And what happens? Yeah, and you evolve. <laughs> you, and you evolve. And I, yeah. I was telling my husband, I would say my script is so much more interesting because I've lived more life um, mm-hmm. and and the world has changed. So I've tried to develop something that's more appropriate to what's going on now. Yeah. You know? Well, just, yeah, as a um, sort of a similar story or, or a companion story to that, mm-hmm. I, I wrote a, I wrote the first draft of a novel in 2004 and I thought it was pretty solid. Several people liked it. Yes. Then in 2000, late 2005, I did some reworking of it. I was like, okay, well, I feel it's pretty sick. This is when I was still kind of coming out of my um, inflated youth ego, the heat of youth, <laughs> as Dostoevsky calls it. Yes. Um, but so I did some reworking of it, thought it was basically pretty solid, would send it around, did get some encouraging feedback, encouraging rejections. Then I sat on it for maybe another two years while I worked on other things. I went back to it after working on those things, and I realized, wow, well, I, I do need to do uh, more work than I thought on this mm-hmm. book. And so I did more work. Then, come about 2010, I realized I needed to do yet more work. And then, come 2011, I just said, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go whole hog and just rewrite every line of this book. Wow. <laughs> and so, it, the structure was sound, by then the structure was sound, but... Yes my writing style had evolved and changed to the point where I just no longer felt comfortable with a lot of what was there because yes. it had way too much DNA from the, the previous iterations. Right. And so I just, yeah, then that was the Green Eye Monsters. That, that was the first big thing that I sold. Well, um, it's very interesting because you didn't let anybody influence you. You didn't rush yourself and you just, you know, took your time. And that's kind of where I am too because I just feel like you want to put your best foot forward. Yeah, exactly. You know? Absolutely. For sure, um, you just want to do, and it's interesting too because there were there were books that I wrote years after that that were better written, mm-hmm. but they didn't have something about them was more fleeting thematically and spiritually. Like the that there there are earlier ones that were cruder in their execution, but there was kind of this core, this kernel that sustained itself over the years that mm-hmm. I knew would had to be done justice right. by better execution. And so it's really, it, it sounds like such a sort of mystical, ambiguous process, and that's because it is, <laughs> at least for me, <laughs> you just have to go with, with your gut on certain things. It would be a nice balance of brain and gut. Yes, it, sure, it really yeah. is a balance. Let me ask you this, because your subject matter, you know, can be dark, and, and 
Do you have a hobby or something you do that's the complete antithesis of what you're doing as far <laughs> as writing? Um, well, I guess you could say I, I, I hike, uh, I bike, I swim. Mm -hmm. uh, I try to stay active, especially since writing is, is kind of a sedentary, you know, yeah. Yeah, sedentary art form or right. activity. Yes. And... Um, so I do that. I I tend to get together with friends and just watch silly movies. So that could be sort of a counter to the darker stuff that I, yeah. <laughs> that I write. You know, silly B movies. It's always fun. That's um, good. Yeah, and you know, I I have sort of what I, what I call my hermit side and my my very uh, kind of almost volcanic social side. So you know, after days or hours spent hold up reading or writing, yes. I just have to explode and, and socialize a bunch, and then I'm ready to go back to my hermit mode, you know, it's kind of a, a weird little pendulum swing there. <laughs> but I think both are important, because if you recognize you need that to be so, you know, hermit-like and, uh -huh. and um, introverted, then you could be right. your best creative self. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I like to be alone, I, especially when I'm writing, I, I'll put my headset on, tune things out. But then it's good. You need to be with other people, you know. You, mm, you absolutely. need to get out I mean, there. Yeah, even when I'm writing, actually, to a certain extent, I, I always like a little bit of equilibrium mm -hmm. um, in, on the part of, of my surroundings in terms of stimulation. Um, you know, nothing that's too noisy, you know, say at a, a bar or something. But if I'm at yeah. a coffee shop and it's, you know, got enough people that I can maybe observe between passages that, that are interesting or... or that I can just subtly play, subtly play off of. It's helpful. Yeah, I, I was for some reason I'm imagining like this funny short clip of you sitting in the library trying to write, and all of a sudden some creepy monster comes out, <laughs> starts talking to you like, "No, that's not my backstory, Mike." <laughs> right, right. Born of my psyche. <laughs> right, and some other strange monster comes out and goes, "What about me?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that, yeah, because that the the relationship between the kind of the ethereal world and 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 the artist uh, mm -hmm. is definitely a concern of mine. A running theme throughout a lot of my stuff. So, right. that, I mean, that is yeah. That's what that I love about mocap. I love the whole motion capture world. Is that you know they take um, people and they can just make them into these creatures or you know whether it's the movie mm -hmm. Avatar or whatever. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Oscars last night, but that one actor yeah, came yeah. out and that clips of him as different creatures. It's so cool. Oh, uh, Andy Serkis. Yes, yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, I think he's done more than just Caesar and uh, oh yeah and Gollum and stuff too. But yeah, well, of course he's done more. But that was that was really neat. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up in a few minutes, but do you have advice for people that want to delve into the world of writing, whether it's the type of writing you're doing or other writing, just any good advice? I would say um, dedicate a certain amount of time every day, even if it's just 20 to 30 minutes, mm -hmm. to sitting down and writing. Um, dedicate another portion to reading, because I always say that Reading is inhaling and writing is exhaling. They're two sides of the same coin. Um, there are absolutely, I mean, some people, some writers say, well, I don't like to read while I'm writing a book because I might, you know, ingest someone else's style. But that's, I know every brain is different, but that's never been the case for me. To me, it's, it's given me fuel. Yes. Writing or reading inspires my writing. So um, I would definitely recommend uh, reading and writing every day. You don't have to have a set, set regimen, just 
make sure you you find some time in the day mm-hmm. to do it, even if it's you know on a twenty minute coffee break. You know, just jot down down some things. Sure. And just keep persisting. If if it's what you have to do, if it if it's how nature wired you, just you know, just keep going. Um, go to writers' conferences, shake hands. Um, you know, put yourself physically in front of agents and editors, um, and just yeah, just keep keep doing it and keep honing your craft and and know that it's never as good as you thought as you mm. first thought and also know that it's yeah. never as bad as you may as you might think too <laughs> so there's always the truth is always going to be in the middle somewhere right yeah. how hard is it to get an agent i mean you have to have a lot of uh you know a big portfolio yeah i was sort of strange in that i actually got a publisher before i got an agent oh so um my current publisher curiosity quills press is kind of a mid-tier publisher Mm-hmm. And I got them in 2012, and I finally got an agent after 10 years of trying in 2013. That's and great. So, <clears throat> yeah, and she, I'm, I feel very fortunate because she really understands my style and likes where, you know, my sensibilities, whereas, which can be kind of interstitial and niche, uh, as discussed. But, yeah, it's, there. they are, I've noticed that they, over the course of when I've, first started submitting to agents to now, like now they don't, it's like they don't even respond anymore. Yes, they're <laughs> probably really, inundated. Mm-hmm, like getting, and, and plus just the, the changes, the upheavals in the publishing industry have really kind of rocked the agency boat. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are kind of scrambling to find their place. And um, But I w- would recommend to now more than ever to, to um, just as I said a moment ago, um, get FaceTime with agents you know, don't don't mm-hmm. cold query because that doesn't yield as much success anymore. I don't think. Sure. Um, not that it can't, but you you give yourself a much better shot if you go and and shake their hand and pitch and and get them to remember you and keep in con- keep in somewhat you know sparse, friendly, casual acquaintance yes. contact, and um, you know update them on what you're doing if they're if they find you interesting and so. Um, That's great advice. Yeah, it's and, and uh, yeah, just and to just keep, yeah, just keep at it, keep at, keep keeping on. Mm-hmm. All you can do. Well, it's the same thing as acting. You know, it's funny. You said um, you were talking about uh, you. You can't. You, it's important to read if you're a writer. Well, it's important. I heard this cast director say this. Let's mm-hmm. say it's, it's important to watch TV and and go to the movies if you want to be an actor. You because a lot of people come in that are actors and say, oh, I don't really watch much TV, but I'd love to be mm-hmm. in Scandal. And oh, the right, casting yeah. directors that's are cool. like, what? You know? It, yeah. To me, that's kind of disingenuous. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I remember someone who wanted to be a photographer who really didn't know that much about um, the world of photography, which is fine if you're just starting out, but right. she didn't really care to learn. She's like, oh, I'll just Google a, a certain oh, style no. if they ask me about no, it. No. Like, no, no. I mean, if you're actually interested in the craft, you should learn everything you can about the history of the craft and the techniques inherent in the craft, even if they aren't your own. Sure. So you, you could speak intelligently about it in a, in a, at a cocktail party of yes. full of photographers or writers or actors or whatever. So Absolutely. Sort of, it yeah. make, makes you more genuine and real, and you've done your homework. Right. 
Yeah, so absolutely. let me throw out your website. It's uh, www.mikerobinson-author.com. Mm-hmm. And can people find you on uh, social media as well? Yep, on uh, Facebook, Mike Robinson Author, um, and on Twitter at uh, Mike Skunk Ape, all one word. That comes from my, my first book, Skunk Ape Semester, which is kind of on the road. Kerouac's on the road meets the X-Files. <laughs> interesting, very interesting. Yeah. And uh, and if anybody's interested in GLAWS, uh, the Greater Los Angeles Writers Society, it's G-L-A-W-S dot org. And I see there's um, a great event coming up, WonderCon in L.A., mm-hmm. March 25th oh, yeah. to 27th. I might have to come to that. That looks great. Oh, I will I will add, too, that um, inherent in a GLAWS membership. I, I know I sound like a show up a GLAWS. I swear I'm just doing it because they've been a very helpful organization for me. Okay. Um, the uh, they give you booth space, selling booth space at at various places like WonderCon. Oh, that's which, great! Which is neat. Yeah, so you don't have to buy your own booth and and things like that. Good. Um, so. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling in, and maybe I'll see you at another one of those events I met you at. Yeah, that'd be great. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. La Femme. And uh, I will post this uh, chat up on my blog within an hour after I wrap, and it's getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Mike, thanks so much for calling in. Thank you, Janine, so much for having me. All right, good luck with everything. All right, thank you, you too. Bye-bye. That was Mike Robinson, writer and producer. And again, if you missed any part of it, I will post it on my blog. Uh, It's very interesting, all the things he has going on. Uh, It talks about different things he's written, lots of thrillers, metaphysical horrors, things like that, mysteries. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we come back have more Get the Funk Out show. I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.